three quick announcements for you. First of all, as uh, we were praying for the IF gathering, just want to remind you ladies that this weekend here at Chalmers on Friday evening and then all day Saturday, there will be the IF gathering, this women's conference that is live televised through the wonders of technology. And it is going to be a fantastic opportunity. It's $10 to register. And then there's an additional cost for pizza for the Saturday evening. If you would like more information, if you had not already registered, please do. You can come for some of it, or if you cannot come for all of it. Hopefully you can come for all of it, but if you have to work or if you, if you have to arrange childcare, please try to come for some, at least. There's, it's an amazing conference. I snuck into it last year, put on a wig skirt. It was awesome. Okay, I didn't do that part, but I was in the back helping out with some of the stuff, and it was a fantastic conference. So make sure that you're here on Friday and on Saturday. If you want more information, you can email myself or my wife, Heather, and she would be happy to give you more information about that. As we sing happy birthday to Lois Craig today, we want to just celebrate with her and her family today. And I want to remind you or let you know for the first time that if you are available this afternoon from 2 to 4 or sometime in between 2 and 4 at the Concordant Baptist Church, there's going to be a drop-in uh, time of just celebrations. Best wishes are the only thing that you need to bring for that. And we would love for you to come and celebrate with her family there. And then the last announcement is that the congregational meeting that was supposed to be this last Monday was postponed. We are going to try to reschedule it for two weeks from tomorrow on the 11th of February. And we'll clarify that and send that in an email this week to make sure that that's the date we're going to do it. But it is, we're going to tentatively do it for Monday, February the 11th at 7 o'clock. And we would invite everyone to be part of that. All that being said, let's pray one more time before we go into this message. And so, Father God, we ask right now that you would help us to hear from you, that anything that is simply from me would go right over our heads, but that your word and your truth would remain. Thank you, Lord, that you want to make us more and more like you, and that you are weeding out that selfishness in us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, today we are on our second last week of our selfless sermon series. Today we are talking about being grateful in the grind, looking at contentment and thanksgiving. Next week we're going to be talking about extravagant giving, generosity. And then after that we have kind of these two weeks that I think I know what the Holy Spirit's leading me to do, but we'll still see. So pray about that. But it's kind of a two weeks bef- between the end of this series and, uh, and our future series on prayer leading up to Easter. Today we're looking at Grateful in the Grind. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever found yourself just waiting for the next thing to come along? The next season in your life? The next moment, the next big experience to happen, something that will be just around the corner that will bring fulfillment and meaning to your life. It's not here, but it will be then. So much of our lives are wasted, wishing away the current season, dreaming of the next best thing, or depending on your age, maybe it is looking back and wishing you were back in the best part of your life. 
Think about some of the thoughts that you might have. Here's some that, that I might have, have had uh, in my past. When I was in high school, I thought, once I'm in university, then life is going to start. Then when I got into university, I thought, when I'm out working, then I will find true happiness. Some people here might be thinking, when I retire, then life can really start. How about this one? When I was younger, I thought, when I find that perfect girl, then I will be happy. Then when Heather and I started dating, I thought, when we just get married, then life will start. Then we got married. Thank God for that. And eventually started thinking, well, when we have kids, then, then we'll really be in it. When our kids get older, then we can really, really start life. When the kids get into, into college and university, then life will begin. When the kids get out of college and university, then we can finally eat again. When the kids have grandkids, then we can really have life start. Have you ever found yourself thinking some of these things where you're wishing away the current season that you're in? Looking for that next achievement, that next relationship, that next possession, that next vacation? As many of you know, Heather and I went to Aruba a couple weeks ago. Uh, my parents have a timeshare in Aruba. And a few years ago, they, they said to me, hey, we would really like to take the whole family to Aruba on this family vacation. When someone gives you a free trip to Aruba, you say yes. Whenever it is, we'll figure it out. And so we went to Aruba. And it was amazing. It was fantastic. It was a great vacation. When we were there, uh, one of the people from the timeshare called our, our room and they said, would you like to come for this presentation? Some of you have probably gone to those presentations before. They're not presentations, they're sales. But they said, you know, we'll give you some money to, to spend at the bar and Heather and I said, perfect, free smoothies, sounds great. And we knew we weren't going to be leaving with the timeshare. We knew that up front. But we said, yeah, we'll, we'll still go. And so my parents looked after the grandkids and Heather and I went for this thing that was supposed to be like an hour and a half, two hours, two and a half hours later, we left with no timeshare. But it was amazing how they were trying to sell timeshares. And if you've been part of this, you'll, you'll know. At one point, they showed us this commercial on this big screen TV. And the incredible thing about the commercial was it had nothing to do with timeshares. There was no pictures of the rooms. There was no pictures of the beach. There was no pictures of the pools. What were the pictures? There were pictures of kids smiling. There were pictures of sunsets. There were pictures of kids eating ice cream. There were pictures of couples enjoying time together. And then there were these big words that came on the screen. Words like purpose, fulfillment, Satisfaction. Indulge yourself. And Heather caught on to this right away. She looked at me. She said, we don't need a 40,000 timeshare. We can go to the shack for $2 ice cream. <laughs> but have you ever thought about the commercials that you see? Have you ever thought about the commercials that you see on TV? I want you to consider that this week. When you're watching TV, whatever commercial 
comes on. Some of them are absolutely ridiculous. They don't even show the product, right? Like, when you need a new car, do you really buy the car that looks the best going through, like, puddles on a racetrack? That's cool, but it's not the function that I look for in a vehicle. People who make these commercials try to sell you that you need more, that you need better, and that you need newer. Marketing, I have a friend who's in marketing, and he will attest to this. Marketing makes its money on discontentment. If the world was content, there would be no commercials. And this idea of discontentment, this idea of needing more, this idea of needing something bigger and better and newer, it flies in the face of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus is a gospel of contentment, of thanksgiving. Paul, one of the disciples of Jesus, he says this in Philippians 4. He says this, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Paul is is this great example of contentment. I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. What's the secret, Paul? What is the secret of being content when you have little or when you have much, when you are hungry or when you are well-fed? What is the secret? Listen, here's the secret. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Let's say that together. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Who's him? It's Christ. Christ Jesus living in you, being your source, being your strength, being the one who fulfills your purposes, who fills that void within you that wants more and better and needs so much. Jesus is the only one, he is the only one who can satisfy. And so if this is the case, If Jesus is the one who can satisfy our deepest needs, who can fully bring contentment into our lives, then maybe, maybe the prize or the reward is not what you accomplish occasionally. The raise, the job, the vacation. Maybe that's not the prize. Maybe the prize is what you do daily for the glory of God. If you do it for the glory of God, that in itself is the reward. That in itself is the prize. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 30, 31, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Let me ask you a question. And it's a question I'm going to give you the answer to. What if God's ways are different than ours? What if God's ways are different than ours? I want to tell you they are. They're very different. What if God's ways are different than ours? What if God's priorities are different than ours? What if God's purposes are different than ours? If that's the case, what if work in itself is the reward? 
Not being done work, but actually having the ability to work is the reward. What if the prize is in the process of life? Not at the end, but in the process of life. If so, can we be grateful in the grind? I want to suggest to you that the answer of all those is yes. We can do this if we are living for the glory of God, if we are working for the glory of God, if we are cooking for the glory of God, if we are parenting for the glory of God, if we are doing all that we do for the glory of God. Now please hear me. If you can get a vacation, take it. If you can get a promotion, take it. If you can get a raise, take it. Next steps are not bad. It is good to have dreams, to have big dreams. But if you find yourself living for the next, if you find yourself living for the dream, if you find yourself living in the purgatory of almost but not quite, that's where discontentment, that's where lack of thankfulness broods. And as Christians, we're meant to live content and thankful lives, as Paul did. And so today I want to give us three enemies of true contentment. Three enemies of true contentment. I've given them funny names, just as a way for you to remember them. Three enemies of true contentment. The first is this, the pillow, the seduction of comfort. Sounds appealing, doesn't it? Heather and I couldn't sleep last night, and the pillow is now still calling. The pillow, the seduction of comfort. This is the desire that we have for the bigger, the nicer the bigger house, the nicer car, the vacation, enough money to take life easy. Have you ever heard that? I want just enough money to take life easy. The pillow, this, this seduction of comfort, is why people play the lottery. Okay? I don't know if you play the lottery. I don't play the lottery. But if you want, again, watch the commercials. When you're buying your gas... Watch the people who are going and buying the $30 of lottery tickets, just hoping that they will make the big win, and then they can take life easy. And it's seductive. That idea of comfort is seductive. But I need to tell you that Jesus does not call us to a life of easy God never called us to an easy life. Sorry if I've just shattered a dream of yours. But when you read through the New Testament, we're never guaranteed easy. In fact, we are guaranteed the opposite of easy. That this life is going to be hard. That this life is going to be a life of toil and a life of friction and a life of conflict. Jesus says to his disciples this in Luke 9, 23. He said to them, whoever wants to be my disciple 
must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Doesn't make a great lot of 649 commercial, does it? That's not a life of comfort. That's a life of discomfort. That's a life of completely trusting in God. But I want to tell you that this is the life that God honors. A life where we deny ourselves, where we take up our cross, where we follow Jesus. We say, God, I have plans, I have hopes, I have dreams, but I lay them at your feet and I say, what do you want me to do with my life? How do you want me to parent my kids? How do you want me to serve at my work? How do you want me to, to live as a citizen of this community? I lay that down at your feet and I say, God, help me to do your will. It won't be easy. I promise you it won't be easy. But easy never changed the world. Easy never changed the world. As the church, we are called to bring God's kingdom to this world. And so the pillow, the seduction of comfort. Number two, the notification, the pull of the constant distractions. Anybody here have your cell phone with you? Has it been buzzing in your pocket? Those notifications coming through? letting you know about the people who are posting different things on Facebook? Have you ever been in that, in that conversation with someone and it's a deep conversation with them and all of a sudden you hear a bzzz and they have to check their phone and they say, you know, Brian, I'm, I'm really sorry. I, I know that your mom was in the hospital and that you're just talking to me about this grief, but my friend just posted this, this thing on Facebook about this cat saying, I has cheeseburger, and I just needed to check it out. <laughs> it's ridiculous, right? It's ridiculous. And yet we're so attached to this constant distractions in our lives, and it's just getting worse and worse and worse. And for those of you who need some distraction, Luke, I'm going to get you to, to, to show this video. iPhone 7 has this function, and I want to show it to you. If you hit this button and hold it on the side, and then you'd be shocked. Because I'm going to tell you a secret. There is no way that we can take it. Somebody say it's too much. We can't take it all in and still have room for the peace of God. You're praying for the peace of God. God doesn't have anywhere to put it. Your mind is too full. You were not designed to have the the entirety of the conversation of the whole human race buzzing on your back pocket. It was not supposed to be this way. Of course we're freaking out. Of course we can't stop it. The devil's got a shock collar on our back pocket and we don't even know it. Next week I'm going to start preaching like that, I think. (laughs) That was Steve Furtick from Elevation Church. And he's absolutely right. The devil's got this shock collar on our back pocket. We don't even know it. Or wherever pocket you put your phone. We get pulled by constant distractions, and we get, when we get pulled by constant distractions, there's no way for us to be content. There's certainly no way for us to live a life of purpose. And your phone is just one, one way that we can get distracted. 
Think about Netflix or, or some other way that you binge watch shows. It's amazing how we have moved as a society where we don't want to, it's actually a good thing where we don't want to wait and, and watch these commercials. And yet, the flip side is you can watch full seasons of TV shows in one sitting and go, wow, it's been a week, I haven't shaved. <laughs> I'm getting a little hungry. Maybe I shouldn't have watched the whole season of Lost. It's incredible. We can binge watch shows, and then another show says, hey, if you like this one, there's 99% chance that you'll really like this show too. It doesn't stop. How about the distraction of comparison? Have you ever looked to your neighbor or to your friend, to a coworker, and thought, oh, if only I had. Their life is so much better than mine. Their kids are so much more well-behaved than mine. Their lawn is so much greener than mine. Let me tell you something, friends. The grass is never greener. It's just a different shade of green. And so we get pulled into these distractions in our lives and they lead us into discontentment. They don't allow us to be thankful for what we have. So if the first one was the pillow, the seduction of comfort, the second one is the notification, the pull of constant distractions, the third one I want to call the towel, the perpetual temptation to quit. Life is hard. Say that with me. Life is hard. It's not easy. It's not an easy life. No matter how you live it. And maybe there will be seasons where you're like, hey, this is great. And then, pfft, life gets hard. And if you're not ready to do the hard work, it's easy for us to get tempted to just throw in the towel and to quit. Again, just a couple of uh, examples. Last week, as you may know, we introduce the five big prayers here at Chalmers. And one of them is that we're praying for marriages, to see marriages healed, restored, protected, and strengthened. This is a powerful thing, because marriages are on the attack in our world and in our community. And yet there are people who are ready to quit their marriages whether it's because they've bought into the wonderful sitcom lie of falling into love and therefore being able to fall out of love. If love is kind of like a disease that you can catch, then you can also be treated for it and no longer have love. Love's not an illness. Love's not ooey-gooey feeling. Love is a choice that we make. It's a choice that you make every day. Sometimes that's a hard choice to make. Do you know that you can say, hey, I don't like you right now, but I love you? That's allowed. That's allowed. Because love is the choice. And marriage can be hard. Maybe your spouse has changed in a way that's not so wonderful, and it's taking a whole lot of work for you to pray for him or her. And you're starting to think, well, maybe I'll just jump ship. Maybe this is just going to be too hard. Maybe I can take the next exit. You just want to throw in the towel. 
How about this as another example? Maybe you were some of the people who took that Financial Peace University course with, uh, with Susan last year. And you were talking about debt and you were talking about money and you said, you know what, 2019 is the year that we're going to get out of debt as a family and we're going to work hard not to have debt hanging over our lives. And you've said, yes, I want that, I want that. But that self-control is hard. And you're starting to say, you know what, this might be just too hard for me to do. Let's go on out and have a meal out. Let's go and go on a vacation, go shoe shopping. We really do need that new car, and you want to just throw in the towel. How about your faith? Have you ever heard someone want to throw in the towel of their relationship with Jesus? Someone who might be saying, you know what, I want the peace of God in my life, and I've gone to church for like two months now, and I've read a little bit of the Bible, but nothing's really changed, and so I'm just going to give up. And like everything else in our lives, we have the choice. We can throw in the towel in many ways in our lives. We can throw in the towel and try to choose the easy life, but things aren't going to get better. You can throw in the towel and you can try to find greener grass, but the grass is not going to be greener. You can try to throw in the towel, or you can pick up the towel, wipe the sweat off your brow, and keep going. Because again, folks, life doesn't change when you try to take it easy. Again, let me just share with you for a minute about Paul. Paul was this guy who knew what it meant to be thankful, knew what it meant to be content in his life. And he knew that because he understood his purpose. He understood why he was here. That his life was more than just sipping martinis. That his life was more than just getting another pair of shoes. That his life was more than easy. He says this in Acts 20, 24. I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Paul knew his purpose. He knew that he was here to run a race. He was here to finish strong. He was here to share the love of God in Jesus Christ. So let me ask you a question. Again, I'm going to give you some answers for this. But what's your purpose? What's your purpose? And you may think to yourself, wow, Brian, this is like the end of the message. You're asking me that? That's like, that's like a question that can take like weeks to figure out, months to figure out, a lifetime to figure out. Well, let me give you some really simple answers. Yes, they're simple, and yet they're profound If you're married right now, today, part of your purpose is to love your spouse and to serve them as Christ has loved and served the church. That is part of your purpose. It's not rocket science. It became part of your purpose as soon as you said, I do. If you're a parent here today, Part of your purpose 
is to raise your children to know the love of God in Jesus Christ and to become and to help them become an adult that you would actually want to hang out with. That's part of your purpose. And again, just because it's part of your purpose, it doesn't mean that your kids are going to turn out perfectly. But as a parent, that's part of your purpose, to raise your children in the knowledge of the love of God in Jesus Christ. To help them to figure out, how do I live my life? Why is that part of your purpose? Because you have kids. Whether you are part of the fun of making those kids or not, you have kids. And you get to parent them, to raise them. If you're a follower of Jesus today, then part of your purpose is to glorify God in all that you do. Whether you are a stay-at-home parent, whether you are a farmer or a banker or a teacher or a plow driver, whether you are an engineer, whether you are a student, whatever you do, your job, your purpose is to do it for the glory of God. To say, God, how can I glorify you today as I make that mac and cheese? How can I glorify you today as I care for my elderly parent? How do I glorify you today as I raise these kids? How do I glorify you today as I work at this job? How do I glorify you today as I care for these animals? How do I glorify you today as I go about my life? That is part of your purpose. You are called to it. If you didn't know it already, now you do. That is part of your purpose. And if you can say, okay, God, I want to do that. I want to just glorify you in all that I am. Then you might start seeing that the prize is in the process. That the reward is in the work. And you might be able to be grateful in the grind. And so let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you for your love and your grace on us. Thank you that you have called us to follow you here and now today. Wherever we find ourselves in life, whether we are finding ourselves content or whether we are incredibly discontent, God, you have called us to this place. You have called us to this life and you are asking us to show your glory through it. And so, Father, we ask that you would protect us from the seduction of comfort, that you would protect us from the distractions that take our focus off of you, that you would protect us, that you would protect us from the greener grass that looks over there, that you would protect us from all parts that the devil might try to distract us from, might try to get us to quit or give up too soon. Lord God, I pray right now that you would be so close to those who are ready to throw in the towel in whatever part of their life, that you would remind them that you are with them 
that you are strengthening them, that you are their source and their, their life. That they will find their purpose in you. Lord, I pray that you would be our focus away from the distractions of this world and of this life. That you would help us to focus on you and on your love. That you would help us to focus on what we need to be doing as students and as parents and as uh, employees. God, I pray that you would make us thankful. You would make us thankful people. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.